This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com A common theme which occurs to many couples is something that has to do with an underlying issue which applies to men and to women. See, a lot of times I'll sit with a couple and I'll ask the husband or I'll ask the wife, can you lay out for me what your daily schedule looks like? So, you know, traditionally people say, okay, I get up around this time. This is my job. I come home around this time. I pick up the kids. We have dinner. You know, etc., etc. We go to bed this time. That's like a normal run-of-the-mill schedule that most people will lay out. And there's, there's this idea that a husband should have a general idea where his wife is holding in her day, and a wife should usually know where her husband is holding in his day. So sometimes I'll, I'll flip the question, and I'll say to the husband, can you tell me about your wife's schedule? And sometimes I'll say to the wife, can you tell me about your husband's schedule? Now, in great couples, or very good couples, there's usually a few things that they'll throw in there, which really like shows their commitment to their family. They might say something to the effect of, well, this is our family day, or this is our family time, or this is when we all gather around and we have dinner together. There's there's very nice, healthy things. A guy might say, I come home from work, and then I always sit down with the kids, play with them for 10 minutes, and then I do homework with them, and then something else. So those are very good, great things that you want to, you want to be hearing. But sometimes, you hear usually from one spouse, about the other spouse, they'll say something like, oh, you know, my wife, she she really just does nothing. Or a wife will say about the husband, like, he just sits around all day. He doesn't, now, the man might be sitting there and saying, no, no, I'm I'm focused, I'm, I'm thinking, I have, like, a computer course that I'm thinking about starting in a few months, but the semester is not really getting going yet. So until then, I'm researching things online, like... YouTube became like research and Facebook became like homework. So it becomes like I'm, I'm doing things, but I'm, I'm, it doesn't look like I'm doing things, but I really am doing things. And that usually or sometimes can become like an indication of a more systemic issue. Now, I want to build this up a little bit. One of the most puzzling questions about any relationship in the entire Tyra is the relationship between Yitzchak and Esav. The most natural relationship would have been Avram has a relationship with Yitzchak, Yitzchak has a relationship with Yaakov, and Yaakov has a relationship with his children. Because the the Messiah, everything that was given on from one to the next, we know it went from Avram to Yitzchak to Yaakov to the Shvatim. So the question that everybody asks, everybody, if you're Jewish for more than eight minutes, you ask this question, I don't understand. Why is it that Yitzchak has such a strong relationship with Esau? He should have a strong relationship with Yaakov. Yaakov was the one who was his son, who was taking over. He was the third uh, of, you know, third of the Avais. He was the Shalshalas HaKedusha. Everybody has this question. Why is it that Esav and Yitzchak have this amazing relationship? And Yitzchak and Yaakov, it doesn't seem like they have such an intense bond the way Esav and Yitzchak have it. So there's a thousand reasons that are given for this. A thousand reasons. But there was one explanation that I once saw, which stood out to me, and it's sort of become a very guiding idea. What is a father's job to his children? Now, when I sit with couples, 
I say with them all the time, and I say this question to a husband and a wife. What is your job as a husband to your wife? And, well, I have to love her, and, and I have to... Okay, what is your job as a wife to a husband? I have to love him, I have to be a wife, I have to love... No. You see, it's a lot deeper than that. Because when I say a job, a job is something that you're constantly doing. You're reaffirming it. You're doing it over and over and over. So if somebody says to you, to you, you know, you have a secretary, and they say to the secretary, what is your job? And they say, you know, I, I have to be here, and I have to do my job, and I have to do my job. That's not really telling me what your job is. You're supposed to be telling me what you're supposed to be doing every minute of the day. It's supposed to be very clearly delineated. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. The same thing applies to a husband and wife. Yeah, I'm supposed to love my wife. Yeah, I'm supposed to be dedicated to her. Those are all 30,000 feet answers. There are very specific specific answers which carry a couple through every minute of the day, right? The marriage curriculum at, mari- at marriagepro.co, we do focus on this idea that every minute of the day is your job as a husband to do certain things for your wife and your wife's job to do certain things for the husband. Very clear. But now let's go up a level or let's take that level and go down a level. A father to a son. And without getting into the broader concept here, I want to narrow, narrowly focus on two specific ideas. What is a father's job to his son? He wakes up in the morning and he says to his son, Shayanko, good morning. What is his job? What is he trying to communicate over to the child? Okay, so let's digest the question sometimes is even more important than the answer here. Because the realization that a father is doing something for his child, every interaction with the child, is monumentous. It's a very important thing for us to, un- to understand. So now that we understand it, what is the answer? So we know that a man's job in his house, the Pasuk says, Vuhu yimshal bach. That a man is, is, is in charge. He's the maishal. He's the ruler. And some fathers like to take this very literally. They love this Pasuk. What does it mean? He's the ruler. Hmm, what's the job of a ruler? So they say, well, a job of ruler is to get respect. You know what my job in this house is? It's to be respected. So all my children start respecting me because that's my job. The Torah commanded me to be respected by you. Hmm. Right? Other people say, it's I get to, to lay down an iron fist because that's the job of a ruler. I, I'm authoritative you know, view over here. Whatever I say, is that's what goes in the house. But if you look in Chazal, they sort of read this Pasuk a drop different. They say as follows. A man in the house, he's in charge, what does that pasuk mean? Two words. Lehanhiga bidrachav. That's his job. Lehanhiga bidrachav. What does that mean in English? To be manhig, to give a sort of direction. Bidrachav, in his ways. Now, those two words set up the job of a man in terms of his relationship with his wife and in terms of his relationship with his children. Now again, there's a lot more things, but let's focus narrowly on these two. Lehanhiga bidrachav. The first one is lehanhiga. He's supposed to give direction. Direction to his family. What does that mean? It means when they have a question about kashras, who do they speak to? You ask daddy, right? Which music should we play in a house? Is this kosher enough for us? Is this not, a, is this not enough for us? He gives a certain direction. He gives a certain hanhaga to the house. We stand while we make Kiddush or we sit while we make Kiddush. We wait six hours or five hours or 5.31 or three hours. He gives the, the, the direction to the things which are happening in the home. That is one of the jobs of a father. He sets values. 
He says, this is things that we do do, and these are things that we don't do. A certain direction that a father is supposed to have. And that idea should be internalized, and we should understand that. But then, there's a second part. And that's the part where it says, Bidrachav. You see, if you don't have values, or you don't have a direction that you're actually headed in and doing and and going with, then it's going to be very hard to be manig anybody in that direction. If your wife calls you up and says, um... You know, do we eat, you know, this and this hachshar? And you're like, hmm, I don't know, that's a great question. I never thought of it. I don't even know who to turn to. I don't have a rav, I don't have a mentor, I don't have anybody to speak to. It's going to be very hard to give the direction if you yourself don't have a certain path that you are already trailblazing for yourself. And that brings us to the second part of this pasuk. The huyim shalbach is not just telling us that you're supposed to give them direction. It's telling them that you're supposed to have a drive in a specific direction. So that when you wake up in the morning, you yourself are setting goals for yourself. You yourself have a schedule that is filled up. You yourself are doing things which is shunning complacency and it's embracing being tenacious and going after the things in your life that you want to accomplish, that you want to set out to become. And then you bring your family along with you. So there's a dual role over here. The first one, really, is to have a drive. You have a drive and you're going in a specific direction. And then you get your whole family behind you. You get them on board so that they become what you have blazed for them as a trail to live their lives according to. Let's go back to our question. Why is it that Yitzchak and Yaakov did not have this really strong relationship. At least from the Torah's perspective, it seems that Esav and Yitzchak are constantly interacting with each other, and Yitzchak and Esav, and Yitzchak and Yaakov are not so much. So the answer that I heard was a very beautiful answer. Was that if a father's drive is to be driven, to give his children drive, that they are driven, and to give his children direction in their lives, then which one of the two children of Yitzchak needed to be driven. Which one of the two children of Yitzchak needed to have a direction set for him? The answer is Esav. Yaakov was naturally, or maybe just through a little bit of prodding, he was an Ishtam Yoshev Ayhalem. He constantly sat and learned. His father didn't need to run over to him and say, bad boy, finger on the place, what are you doing? He didn't need to do that. His father, Yitzchak, was just, he's good. He's set in the ways that he's going. And therefore, the one who needs the most intervention from the father was Esav. Chazal tell us, Adam la'amal yulad. A person was created to work. What does that mean? The way that it's explained is that a person is created that when you do work, you feel really good about yourself. You see, really it should be counterintuitive. If I go and I plow a field all day, at the end of the day, I should not feel good about myself. I should say, Ugh, I just work so hard, I just want a break, I want a vacation, I don't want to really have anything more than that. But there's an instinct inside of me that tells me, no, no, no. Before you head off to sleep, turn around, look at your work, and say to yourself, wow, I feel so good. Look at what I did today. Look at what I accomplished. Look at what I built. Look at what I set out to accomplish. Look at how I accomplished it. Look at the steps that I took to accomplish it. 
Wow, I am awesome. That is Adam Le'amal Yulad. You're filled with a certain sense of like, you're gratified at being who you are. You're confident. Your self-esteem goes up because you set out to do something and you accomplished it. And no matter what the odds were, that is something that you overcame. Now that is amazing. Adam Le'amal Yulad. Rabbi Yisrael Berkowitz, he once said over a great story, he said that he had somebody in his house who lived in Russia and they sent him to Siberia. And he was there for a number of years. And he came back ultimately and he became from, and he was sitting by Rieslav Berkowitz's house and Rieslav Berkowitz says to him, can I ask you a question? Tell me the feeling, the greatest feeling you've ever had in your whole life. And the person said, I'll tell you. He said, when I got to Siberia, they gave me a toolbox and they said to me, you're going to build a barracks right over here. And he said, okay, where's the men? Where's the plans? They said, no men, no plans, no anything. With your bare hands, in this frozen wasteland, you're going to sit down, and you're going to start chopping down trees, and you're going to build a barracks. And if you die, somebody else will take you over. And if you survive, then ultimately we'll have a barracks here. But whatever happens, you're never leaving Siberia. And the man said that he threw himself into the task. And every day, he started chopping down trees, he started formulating plans in his brain, and he built, and he built, and he built. And I believe he said it took about eight or nine years until this barracks was finally completed by himself. And the man said, the day that this barracks was completed was the greatest feeling I have ever had in my entire life. We are created to accomplish. We're created to be driven. We're created to do things and not be complacent. And when you do that, you get a good feeling. And it's almost like this galgal hachizer, this wheel that keeps coming around, is that the more you accomplish, the better you feel. The more better you feel, the more you have a drive to accomplish. And therefore, the more you actually accomplish, which is then you have the good feeling, and then you have the drive to accomplish. So this wheel keeps going around and around and around. But some people never jump on this hamster wheel. They don't ever get that feeling. And they just sit at home. And you turn to the wife and you say, what is your husband doing today? Oh, what is he doing? Mm, nothing. Doesn't seem to really be doing anything. And you say to the husband, what's your drive? What's your passion? What are your goals? And he's just like, goals, passion? I don't know what you're talking about. It's just not happening. But when you do it, it actually changes who you are. It changes the way others relate to you. It builds you up as a person and it makes you more respectable in your eyes and in the eyes of your family. And this applies literally across the board to our personal life, to our spiritual life, to our physical life, to our emotional life. This might have to do with working on your Avedas Hashem, your davening, working out in the gym, exercising. It might have to do with actually working, going to a job. It might have to do with Chinach Habanim. And it might just have to do with working on your marriage. You see, every area of our life, if you're driven, if you have a goal, then chances are you're going to accomplish that goal. But if you're not and you're complacent and you're sitting down in one area of your life, then chances are in other areas of your life, you're not going to maximize the true potential that lies there. When I sit with a couple and they start talking about how at night, the husband comes home at 5 o'clock and he's like, oh, my day is over. What time is it over? 5 o'clock at night. 5 p.m. it's done. What time do you go to sleep? Well, 1 a.m. 5 to 1 a.m. Wow, that's a huge chunk of time, right? Sundays, all day, right? 
when we have a drive, when we have a vision, when we have a clarity of this is something that I get up in the morning and I say, I am going to do this every day. I'm going to consistently hammer this home. It changes who we become as people. Whether you have personal projects that you're working on, whether you have like a shul that becomes your project, whether you go to shul, whether you're learning when you have your seder. There was a couple that came, they were talking to me, they were saying, we literally have no time for each other. It's so difficult. Our schedules are so packed. Mind you, the husband is unemployed, right? So he's home all day and the wife barely works for a few hours a day. And it's like, wow, you guys are so packed. I said, I want you to do something for me. I want you to put on your phone, your computer, everything. I want you to put web chaver. They said, oh, we have no issue. We don't, we don't have any issue with like internet stuff. I said, no, 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 I know. I just want you to do that. Send me the reports and come back in two weeks to talk. They come back two weeks later. We sit down and I said to them, you guys have no time for each other, right? No time. Great. Okay, let's lay out the web chaver report. We put the report down. Okay, so it's saying here, Facebook, seven hours. Mind you, this goes by the week, right? Seven hours in one week on Facebook, okay? Let's go through Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube. We start going through all the things. There's like four days worth, four days, we're talking almost a 100 hours of just packed in, literally doing nothing. Not a 100 hours, maybe I'm exaggerating. We're talking tons of hours of doing nothing, nothing. It's like maybe if you started shutting off some of the other things in your life, you would push yourself to become more motivated, that you would actually have time for each other to work on your relationship, that you'd have time to work on your marriage, work on your chinuch, on your, with your children. And maybe you would find some time to get out of the house, to learn a little bit, to go to a minion or two. These are things which it's so hard to do, but when you do it, it's so hard to stop. Successful people have three pronged plans to success. The first thing is that they set a goal. They set a goal and they have their eyes on the goal. The second thing is that they decide exactly how the route that they're going to take to get them towards that goal. And the third thing is that they put one foot in front of the other and they don't stop until they accomplish the goal. If they want to lose five pounds and that's the goal, they know exactly how they want to do it with a, with a combination of exercise, of dieting, of walking. Five pounds is a very attainable goal for most people, right? And then they sit there and they say, no matter what, if I have the flu, I am going to be exercising. No matter what is going on with me, I'm going to accomplish this goal. And you don't stop until you get there. You feel awesome, you look in the mirror, and you say, now I'm going to keep going. And it's the same thing with marriage. You say to yourself, our marriage needs work. What does that mean? Well, it needs work. No, 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 no. What does that mean practically? Practically means I need to speak to a rav, I need to speak to a therapist, I need to watch a course, I need to do something. Here's my goal, here's how I'm doing it, and I'm not stopping until I get there. I got a call from a person, he said, my marriage really needs work. We started talking. I told him, I said, I have this online thing called the marriage curriculum. He said, no problem. I got a message on my phone five minutes later. He bought the marriage curriculum. I get an email from him two days later. I watched the entire curriculum, the whole thing. He's like, I said, you will be successful. You will be successful. You understand that you have a goal and you are jumping into this tenaciously. You're sinking your teeth into it. And when you're able to do that, you're going to see the most crazy amount of growth. There's a person who I know, one of the most successful people in the world. 
and I asked him, I said, how is it that you became so successful? What do you do that sets you apart from everyone else? And he said, I get up in the morning and I say the following words to myself. I'm going to live this day with exclamation, not explanation. He said, everyone has a thousand reasons why they are not accomplishing what they want to do. I am not just going to accomplish it. There's going to be a huge exclamation point at the end of that step, at the end of that statement. Because I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to live my life with exclamation, not explanation. And when you're able to do that, you're going to be successful. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.